Emily Abend, the creative partner for worship at the local church, and you are listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina. We gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in person at Woods Charter School in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, chapter 28, verses 10 through 19a. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a stairway set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. I'll praise my maker in every So as Leah mentioned, it is the fourth and final Sunday of uh, Camp Local. If you've missed it uh, to this point or just need a refresher, because a lot happens during the week, I forget a whole lot of things. So here's uh, Camp Local in a nutshell. It's our annual summer series. It's all about experiencing and reclaiming and leaning into beauty and wonder and Sabbath and reconnection, reconnection with God, with neighbor, with ourselves. It's our response to Jesus' invitation that we've heard for a few weeks to get away with him so that we might recover our lives, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, take a real rest. That is Jesus' invitation from Matthew. I joked about this uh, last year 
Um, you know, this is this is our chance to be a little light and loose during these summer months with the tent and the and the lantern and the campfire, makeshift campfire here. Um, but uh, I've never I'd never been to summer camp. I'd never been to summer camp, and and so with Camp Local, this is was my joke last year. And um, with Camp Local, one, I'm just making it all up as I go. I have no experience to draw from. It's only what I've seen on TV and in pop culture about what camp is, right? And two, uh, this is my attempt to give myself the camp experience that I never had, right? Uh, trying to create an alternate reality for myself, a do-over on my childhood experiences. And uh, you know, disclaimer for my parents who are watching, uh, I'm sure this morning, um, I had a wonderful childhood, mom and dad, I did. I was not deprived in any way. Uh, summer camp just wasn't a part of our regular rhythm. And, and it's not like I didn't go to camp, I just didn't go to summer camp. Right? I went to baseball camp. When I was in middle school, I got to go to space camp, which was amazing. Anybody else go to space camp? Do you have that? Yeah? I want to hear about it. I want to hear about your experience. That's amazing. Um, Peter uh, Newman Matthews, who's not here this morning, uh, they're at the beach, I think, but uh, uh, he went. I just found that out a couple weeks ago. I was like, I've never met anyone else who went to space camp. So it was, we had a moment. Um, in high school, I went to my share of summer band camps. Anybody ever do band camp? Yeah? Yeah? Um, and, uh, and at, at band camp, summer band camp, you know, or any camp, you spend the week uh, uh, meeting friends and, uh, for me, awkwardly crushing on girls and making memories and rituals and, and inside jokes and, and, and getting a taste of having a roommate for the first time, right? And that whole new reality, that whole world upside down experience that that can be. Um, it, it was everything camp should be. Uh, and camp's a formative thing for us, Right? Camp's a formative thing. It allows us to get away, to get out of ourselves for a little while, to disrupt our regular rhythms and routines and get some much-needed perspective. It's the, the sort of thing where you might want to stay forever because the experience is that good. The people you've met, that wonderful. The memories you've made, that unforgettable. I know that I'm probably romanticizing it somewhat, and, I, and I'm sure this hasn't been everyone's experience, but at least for me, when I think back to the camps that I went to as a kid, memories are pretty good. They're pretty good. But then you go back home. You go back home, and maybe you're like me, and you put off thinking about the fact that you have to go back home until the very last possible moment. You've got that perpetual lump in your throat because you don't want to leave, but you have to leave camp. Back to your chores, your siblings, your job, and your parents. You have to get back to where you were the week before you came. The week before this week that changed your life. Or, or the four weeks, we hope, here at Camp Local. But as we wrap another season of Camp Local this week, instead of going back, I wonder what it looks like to move forward. Instead of going back, I wonder what it looks like to move forward, to not let it all stay here, but to let this experience sort of recalibrate us as we leave the mountaintop. It's not unlike when you make a wrong turn and Google Maps uh, tells you to recalibrate, right? It recalibrates for you. What if instead of an experience we leave here, stays here when we leave? What if instead Camp Local comes with us? What might that look like? And as I've been thinking about this question this week, this story from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, has come to mind again and again, the one that Jane read for us this morning. It's, uh, um, we encounter Jacob, Jacob, who's one of two sons of Isaac, Esau's the other. 
They're twins, and, and they're both the grandsons of Abraham, the OG patriarch of the Israelite people. Abraham, if you remember, is the one that God told to count the stars in the first week of Camp Local, Space Week. And if you missed that, you can catch up on our podcast feed, by the way, or any of the last couple of weeks. But Jacob is on the run because, long story short, Jacob tricked his father into blessing him with the birthright that should have gone to Esau as the firstborn, but was given to Jacob instead when Jacob deceived his blind father, Isaac, while Isaac was near death, was on his deathbed. Birthright means power, means prestige, it means uh, inheritance, right? And Esau isn't thrilled <laughs> at this turn of events, as you might imagine. And so, um, and so Jacob goes on the run at Rebekah, his mother's insistence. And that's where we find him today, on the run with a questionable past and an uncertain future. Jacob is exhausted. This world has run him ragged. He carries the weight of the world on his shoulders, his past mistakes, his shame, the things he no doubt wishes he could do over, the things left undone, the things done. He's been running and running and running and running. Maybe you know something about this too. Maybe you're not necessarily a fugitive. But maybe there are things that you wish you'd done differently. Maybe there are heavy things that you carry, things in your past, grief about the world, the uncertainty of your own future. Maybe with all that you juggle on a daily basis, you know that feeling of being weighed down while still trying to run away from all this mess while all, also still trying to keep all the balls in the air. So you just can't anymore. If you know this bone-tired, flat-out, exhausted sort of feeling then you can relate to Jacob here. This is how he arrives in the story. This is where we meet him. And he can't run anymore. The sun has set, and he's ready to sleep. So he lays down, looks for the closest pillow, can't find one, grabs a stone, uses that, and he falls asleep. And as he's asleep, he begins to dream. He dreams there's a stairway from heaven to earth. Angels, messengers running up and down, ascending and descending. And in this dream, Jacob finds the Lord, Yahweh, standing beside him. And Yahweh says something pretty remarkable here. Notice this, pretty breathtaking, pretty unexpected, considering all that Jacob has been through. The Lord says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Know that I am with you, he says. will keep you wherever you go. will keep you wherever you go. will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. Until I've done what I told you I was going to do. A few things to note here. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jacob doesn't travel up the stairway to get to God? What happens instead? God comes down. God comes down. It's a pattern that we see again and again and again in Scripture, and especially in the person of Jesus. God coming to our level, not staying far off, but getting close, coming alongside us, condescending to us. Condescending is that word. Condescension is to, to be down with but notice also that there's no shame in what Yahweh says. There's no, there's no chastising. 
It's simply blessing all the way down, which is really surprising, right? Considering all that Jacob's done, as conniving as he's been. It's a blessing in which God reiterates the promises made to Jacob's ancestors, but then expands those promises to include Jacob and and his descendants. And what's more, he promises to be with Jacob as he goes, which is all the more amazing considering that Jacob is still on the run. Jacob can't return to where he's been. Jacob's future is wildly uncertain, and yet God promises to go with him wherever he goes. That's no small thing. I want you to notice what happens when Jacob finally takes a minute to breathe, to stop running, finally allows himself the space to exhale. What happens? God is there. Our hope each week is that this space offers that same opportunity for you, the space for us to take a collective deep breath together. Our lives are so full. Our calendars are so full. There's so much. The the urgent overtakes the important again and again, and a life with God might become the furthest thing from your mind. But as I've said each week, This is, in particular, what Camp Local is all about, what it's been about, creating that much-needed, vital space for renewal, for reconnection, beauty. And what Jacob realizes when he opens his eyes is that God has been there the whole time. That God has been there the whole time. Here's what he says. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. When he rises the next morning, the stone that had been Jacob's pillow becomes a pillar, a monument. And he pours oil on it as a form of blessing and then renames that place, blesses the place, and calls it Bethel, or house of the Lord. Bethel, house of the Lord. Here's the thing. In an instant, this ordinary place becomes extraordinary, transformed. And the same is true for Jacob, who awakens anew to this reality that's been there the whole time. And as a result of this transformation, Jacob can't go back home, but he can move forward, taking with him the promise that God will not leave him. And that God's presence goes with him too, wherever he goes. As Jacob prepares to move forward into an unknown future, this moment is a much-needed recalibration. It's a much-needed recalibration, and it's also one that we need. Each week, as part of this Camp Local series, we've had a theme. I mentioned Space Week earlier. Two weeks ago was Unplugged Week, where we limited the use of technology here. It was really weird, um, but so good. Last Sunday was Earth Week, and today is Imago Dei Week. Imago Dei Week. Imago Dei is Latin for the image of God. And it, too, has its origins in the book of Genesis, describing how God creates human beings in God's own image. In other words, each and every human being is an image bearer. Each and every person is made in the imago dei. And if we hold this to be true, 
means that each and every person is brimming with sacred worth. It means that each and every person has the fingerprints of the divine all over them. Each and every person in the whole entire world. Reverend Dr. King is quoted by Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry. Put it like this. The human being is of infinite worth and dignity, not by vote of parliament or Congress, not by edict of prince or potentate, prime minister or president, but by the divine decree of God. I love this. It implies that the giftedness just is. It's inherent. The giftedness in another human being is just because of the fact that they exist, period. And when you're at camp and you have that mountaintop moment, your hearts are full, of course everyone is made in the image of God. Of course we know this to be true. Yes, we know this, but let's just get it out there, right? Let's be real. We too may assent to this on Sunday mornings when we're here in this beautiful space leaning into the divine We believe with our whole heart that it's true, but then when the rubber meets the road during the week, it can be really tough to remember. Right? Or is it just me? (laughs) It's the friend who blows you off or the politician who makes your blood boil. Anybody? Who comes to mind? No, I'm just kidding. That's good, though. Who comes to mind? Yeah, for real. Maybe it's a a petty ex or the colleague who's hard to work with or the classmate who makes you feel small, insignificant. There's someone who's coming to mind for you right now. That person, too, is made in the image of God. I'm thinking of somebody also. I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's in these moments when I think about the image of God that I really need the words of Martin Buber, a Jewish rabbi, in his uh, work on I, Thou. Anybody heard of this? I, It, and I, Thou. It's, it's really good. It's game-changing. He held up these two, uh, these two relationships, I, It, and I, Thou. He held them up as two ways of orienting ourselves, interacting with the people in our world. In other words, do we relate to another person as an it or as a thou, as a you? Here's what he means. As an object, as an it, with ourselves in the center, the other is easily stereotyped, easily ignored, easily written off, or worse, dehumanized to the point of significant harm. That's the I-it relationship. But alternatively, if we relate to another person as a you, as a thou, as a human being worthy of love, with a heartbeat and a pulse, there's the potential for relationship. There's a potential for commonality, for giftedness, for transformation. There's beauty and particularity and diversity and breath and life and possibility. And I-it orientation dehumanizes An I-thou relationship honors the image of God in another. And so maybe you're still wondering, even them, even them, really, that guy? In these moments for me, I often come back to uh, a verse in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He writes this, For our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly places. It's Ephesians 6, 12. What Paul's getting at here, in other words, is that our issue, our struggle, isn't with other human beings. It's not against flesh and blood. And if we can remember that, it makes this this possibility of of an I-thou relationship so much easier. Because they're made in God's image, just as you are. This verse allows us to separate the individual from their actions. It creates space in our hearts and our lives for compassion. Our struggle is that which holds them and holds us captive. Those forces at work in the world that whisper lies and fog our memories and magnify our inner critic and catch us up in cycles of retribution, violence, and pettiness, whether physical or otherwise, those those forces that divide us and isolate us from one another, that cause us to move into an I-it relationship, an I-it orientation, that cause us to dehumanize and shroud the image of God in another. That's what our struggle is against, not the other person. I feel it too. The struggle is real. Amen? That's why we're here. (laughs) It's an incredibly inconvenient truth that some people, some people are really challenging to love for any number of reasons, and yet they too are made in God's image. Just when we want to write them off, Jesus comes and kills our vibe. Ask us to love. You know, I would want the, someone to do this. I would want someone to do the same for me. I want to be clear that this doesn't mean that you have to be deferential or submissive, a doormat to be walked on. It doesn't mean that you have to loosen your boundaries and open yourself up to harm. That's not at all what I'm saying. But instead, this is an invitation to be open to the possibility that God is still in this place that God is still in this person, even this place, even this person, and we did not know it. That's the scandal of love. That's the scandal of Amago Dei. And the thing is, when we recognize that each and every person is made in the image of God, that means that each and every person carries a piece of the divine with them and reflects it back to us. And so that means then that we can start to realize that each pair of eyes staring back at us has something to teach us, has a gift to offer us about the nature and being and character of God, something to teach us about God's love, about God's beauty, about God's hospitality, about God's justice, about God's heart, desire, and activity in the world. And this is why this matters, perhaps now more than ever, because this can change our relationships. It can change our outlook on the world. It can change our workplaces, our schools, our communities, our neighborhoods, and the whole world. What if this was our default posture? That's what makes following Jesus so hard. In the words of Chris Martin of Coldplay, nobody said it would be easy. But it's also what makes this time together each and every week so vital. There's a friend and author named Tyler Sitt, and uh, he calls worship love training. This time that we, we share in each and every week, this is love training. We're learning how to love. We're training up for those moments when the guy cuts us off on our way home this afternoon. Because by God's grace, this is where we learn to do just that. Settle in 
for a little and close our eyes and let God come to us. This is where we're recalibrated. This is where we get to practice the countercultural way of love each and every week, even and especially when we're not expecting it. So, mom and dad are coming to pick us up soon. We can't stay here forever. The memories from camp may linger for a little while and then fade, especially as we settle back in anew to the daily grind and our patience will be tried. We're going to lose our cool like Jacob. We might run and run and run and run, but we can't go back. We can't go back. We can only go forward. And the question for you and for me and for each of us, the question for us to carry each time we pick up a stone and remember where Jacob laid his head. Could God be present in this place? Could God be present in this person? And we did not know it. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. It's Leah again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more information about the local church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are.